Hello and welcome to episode 222 of Laps Gamer Radio. I'm your host Mark Hamer and joining me tonight for this auspicious special episode, Mr. Nick Case, Mr. Mark Chazzy Ray. Gentlemen, good evening. Good evening. Hello. Hello. <laughs> um, so yeah, this is a special episode. Uh, we're going to be talking about a specific game, but unlike our playlist episodes where we just pick a random game, usually one that Andy's picked and make this, made us play, um, and then talk through it, uh, we are inaugurate. We're 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 we're, we're, bring, we're we're I don't know what the words are I'm looking for. We're um, inaugurating. Uh, not inaugurating. That's that's what I was about to say, but that doesn't feel right. Debut. We're um, induct. That's it. Yes, ah, inducting. Yeah. We are our first ever entry into the Lapsed Gamer Radio Hall of Fame. Uh, this is where we will pick a game that has serious cultural importance, um, changed the the scope of gaming in some way, or was just, you know, something that is like a pinnacle of its genre, mm. um, a game that we like to keep going back to for whatever reason. Um, but uh, we've gone for a big one for our first game. So our first <laughs> Yeah, Barbie's Dream House. Here's yeah, Barbie's Dream House. Is uh, Bubsy's 3D? Um, <laughs> no, it's uh, Half Life Two. Yeah, quite yeah. an important game. Yes, quite a g- ginormous game. So, um, talk very briefly about Half Life, the original. So, Half Life came out in 1998 uh, for Windows. Yep. Um, Correct. Was quite groundbreaking for its Check. time tick yeah <laughs> was incredibly groundbreaking <laughs> correct it was um, I, I one of um one, one of the things i know we're not talking about half-life one here but one of the things that was great about half-life one was the first section where you're in like the train car going in which is basically the intro of the game you can move around and stuff mm-hmm. and yeah. at the time it's going to sound really strange to anyone listening who is under the age of like 20 or something but at the time the fact that as you walked around, the sound moved between the speakers yeah, was, audio was genuinely yeah. mind blowing, and I spent yeah. that entire that entire what is this going, stereo? Ooh, 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 walking back and forth <laughs> on the cable cart, listening to the tannoy. Yeah. Oh. Um, I don't know if they if they was ever mixed to to play because because I, I remember even back then, you could get like five point one surround sound systems mm. for your PC. Uh, and I don't know whether Half Life was mixed for surround sound or not. Um, possibly, I don't know if it was it just two point one later. But, yeah, maybe. Um, but uh, yeah, we're not going to talk about Half Life. Half Life is an incredibly important game, but uh, we feel that it's not quite as important as as its sequel. So yeah. it wasn't a huge amount of time afterwards. We're only talking what four or five years. After Half Life came out, Half Life Two came out. Um, so to read from the uh, Wikipedia uh, summary, <laughs> Half Life Two is a 2004 first-person shooter developed by Valve. It was published by Valve through its distribution service Steam. That was that was a big deal because so it was like was, the first yeah. big Steam game. That right? is what made me buy my first proper PC with my own money. Was the fact that like this delivery system was going to turn up called Steam and it was tied to yeah. Half Life. So if I wanted to play Half Life Two, mm. 
I had to buy this thing to download something called Steam. And it was mm. the only game that you could load onto it. I mean, it it's essentially it felt like what EA Origin feels like now, like just yeah. this. Like oh, I've got I've got to use this. Oh, just it was to play awful. This one game. And it was oh, it was terrible. Steam was awful at first. Mm. It's it's so strange that it's now like the gold standard for buying yeah. video games. If on, you'd have told me any then, platform, really, this that, would be the thing. That's what them, comes. I would never have believed you. That's what comes through like time and you know just. Yes. doubling down on it and being this is the future trust me and just iterating yeah. on it and making it good uh and interestingly it's, it's gabe being gabe and being it's just incredibly stubborn yeah oh, but interestingly if you go back and read like uh, any pc review for, for half-life 2 at the time that was written at the time um they all they all list a con which is like you have to install steam and play download it through this and it's like and it was seen as a proper yeah. negative you've got to remember like back but to then, be fair, everything was like shareware, and you just yeah, yeah. literally downloaded yeah. it off someone's web page, and like, yeah, yeah, and you just ran it as an ran it, yeah. executable from your desktop. Like to be fair, though, I would put that down as a I put that down as a, a negative. If I was putting like plus and negative for games now, if if a game if I can't launch it straight through Steam, yeah. if it, if it has to load up Origin or Rockstar Uplay Launcher, or that. Rockstar Launcher or anything like that, that's a big negative because like they're all garbage and Steam just fucking works yep but, yeah. uh, anyway so yeah this is the game that basically launched like digital gaming digital games i suppose like properly yes as, as a proper yeah. marketplace um just to go back to the summary so like the original half-life in 1998 half-life 2 combines shooting puzzles and storytelling and adds features such as vehicles and physics-based gameplay mm. Uh, players control Gordon Freeman as he joins a resistance movement to liberate the Earth from the control of an alien empire, the Combine. Uh, Half-Life 2 was released on Steam in November 16th, 2004 and re- received universal acclaim, won 39 Game of the Year awards and has been cited as one of the best games ever made. Uh, by 2011, it had sold 12 million copies. Uh, Half-Life 2 was followed by the three extra level Lost Coast in 2005. And the episodic sequels, Episode 1 in 2006 and Episode 2 in 2007. In 2020, after cancelling Episode 3 and several further Half-Life projects, Valve released a prequel, Half-Life Alex. Um, yeah, this was a... Well, I suppose we can, we can come onto the, like, the, the, the model um, a little later, but this was like when, when Valve like, really took everything in-house um, because... The they didn't make the um, expansions for the original Half Life. Blue Shift was made by. No, hang on. Opposing forces made by Gearbox. Mm. Yeah, who made Blue Shift? I don't know. I remember. Um, I can't really remember too much about Blue Shift. To be honest, it wasn't that. No, wasn't opposing, great. opposing forces Force was great. The, opposing forces incredible. Uh, the shows that yeah, um, Gearbox could. Make Blue Shift games was also made by Gearbox. Oh, there you go. Okay, fair enough. Um, yeah, they didn't they didn't ship out um, any expansions to third party studios. They did everything in house in this, um, right down to where they sold it. Um, the game really sort of like I mean it was it was huge on PC, mm. but it it gained like a uh, second life. Um, after the expansions came out with the uh, release of the orange box, because that was, I think it was the first time that Half-Life 2 made it onto consoles mm. as well. Yep. 
um, ridiculous package that was like Half-Life 2 plus Episodes 1 and 2, uh, the original Portal, and Team Fortress 2 in yeah. one package, which was Insane uh, a crazy deal. Yeah. yeah. Um, have you got anything uh, overview-y you want to say about uh, Half-Life before we delve into the game itself? About, uh, well, I suppose, like, when was the first time, did you play it when it came out, Nick, or did you play it later when the Orange Box came out? I played Half-Life 2 later when the Orange Box came out. Yeah. Um, I played Half-Life when it came out on PC. Yeah. Me too. Um, despite yeah. being six. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we get it. You're young. I remember buying um, it though. I remember it, I, we bought yeah. it from HMV, and they still came in the really big boxes. You know the hell yeah, yeah PC boxes. Yeah, yeah. Another Half Life, the original Half Life. But yeah, I miss when PC games came in a big box, oh, like, yeah, the big box, and big manual, manual stuff. And yeah. how like sometimes the, the covers you get like one of those. Those code wheels. Yeah. It was like oh, the really yeah. primitive DRM. Yeah. Love, I love that. I used to love what was um, uh, Monkey Island came with one of those, which was cool. Or if you had Robocop mm. 3 for the Amiga, you had like a little dongle that you had to plug in. It, it literally oh, okay. searched for the dongle and stuff. So, yeah. Oh, wow. Those are mad, mad stuff back in the day. Yeah. Um, yeah, I played Half Life 1 uh, when it came out on PC. Um, by the time Half Life 2 came out, uh i didn't really have a gaming pc uh and i wasn't playing and i was i was i was in my late teens i was too busy drinking and chasing girls uh <laughs> smoking a lot no, of you weed. weren't um sorry was he drinking he said no you weren't oh, i didn't i didn't do a huge amount life. of chasing no just no, I, I was i don't know it was no i i like it i was Spend quite a lot of time socialising, but most of it was just you know, smoking weed and playing guitar. Um, so I didn't play it until the Orange Box came out, and I could pick it up on uh, mm. on console because I did not. I had a shitty laptop that mm. may have just about run it, but probably would not have been very good because um, I was a I was a poor student. Um, but yeah, uh, when I did finally get my hands on it, oh wow, what an impression it made! Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I, I just I just bought a PC for it, like within the first month of it being released. And, yeah, and then yeah, and then lost myself to it. And I was saying mm. to you guys a little while back that I've been obviously playing along with this just to kind of go back to it and remember what the hell happened. And uh, I picked up my saves from two thousand and four, two thousand and five. So that was mm. interesting. <laughs> just like going, oh my god, yeah, these are like ancient artifacts. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and probably not very compatible anymore no, either. Exactly, because it's been patched. <laughs> um, was this the like the the last time a um, uh, like there was a a huge hubbub, huge commotion about the release of a at least a first PC only game? Quite possibly. Um. So I can't think of anything been... since then because, like, ever, ever since then, the games have either been like console exclusives or cross-platform. Mm. But yeah, I mean, I suppose like, but it wasn't that much of a thing back in the day because obviously you had stuff like Quake Three and Marathon and I don't know, like Unreal 
and that kind of stuff um, was. Just but no one made a as no. a big of a deal about like oh Quake Three Arena's coming out, uh, and it's only on as they did for yeah. Half Life Two. No, because I, I just think it was it was PCs were over here, consoles were mm-hmm. over here, and never the twain shall meet, and no one should talk about them. You know, yeah. PC people do the PC thing, and the console people do the console thing. You, you don't yeah. speak. Mm. Yeah, whereas now it's a I little a way more intermingled and kind of it's way more homogenized, oh, right? I think Could the you last... imagine how bad it would be if it released like that now, like because this is before <laughs> the PC Master Race nonsense. This is it, right? yeah. yeah. I think the last big PC game in the kind of it's not as as big, but the last one I can remember that w- could be anywhere near as big was probably Diablo Three. Mm. When that yeah. first oh, launch, sure, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that was just PC. Yeah. <clears throat> Or World of Warcraft, Warcraft probably, yeah. probably the same year as Half-Life 2, actually. Yeah. I think that was 2004. Yeah. Oh, I think around it then. might have been three, but yeah, somewhere around okay, there. Okay, yeah. Around that time. Hmm. Um, should we dig in then? Because we'll, we'll go, we'll, we'll, we'll uh, slice through it like chapter by chapter. Um, I'll just go, let's go over what happens in each chapter and then we can talk about anything we can remember of note from, from, <laughs> uh, from this chapter. Whip through this because it's, Quite a long story. Um, so the storyline begins with chapter one, uh, entitled Point Insertion. And it's nearly 20 years after the Black Mesa incident. Uh, the G-Man wakes Gordon Freeman from stasis and inserts him, uh, seemingly without any goals, into a train arriving in City 17, a city located somewhere in Eastern Europe under the control of the Combine Empire. Uh, after leaving the train, Gordon and the other tra- uh, passengers are welcomed by a broadcast by Dr. Wallace Breen, a former administrator of Black Mesa and now the administrator of Earth. Um, continuing on his way, Gordon meets armed civil protection officers prote- uh, policing the train station and its surroundings. One of them separates him from the rest of the arriving citizens and directs him into a small interrogation room before revealing himself to be former Black Mesa security guard uh, Barney Calhoun, who is operating undercover for the resistance. Barney's the character you play as in Blue Shift, I think, isn't he? Yeah, yeah he is. I think so, yeah. I think so. Um... Barney contacts Dr. Isaac Kleiner, Gordon's mentor from his MIT days and former Black Mesa employee. After a bit of discussion, they decide to send Gordon over to Kleiner's lab. Along the way, Gordon finds himself in the middle of a civil protection raid on a tenement house after being captured. Uh, Gordon is rescued by a young woman named Alex Vance. Yeah. Um, quite an opening yeah, for a video game. One of the, one of the best. Openings. Yeah. Yeah, even more memorable than the beginning of the, of the first Half Life, I'd say. Yeah, uh, it's another, it's another train ride. Yeah, um, train ride at the start. Yeah, uh, another um, great little G-Man moment at the mm-hmm. beginning. Um, so the thing is with this is that like this is where games were just starting to. You had like Deus Ex around about the same time as well. They were just starting to play yeah. with like what can we do with a narrative? You know. Some other yeah. games, other first-person shooters had, had sort of... The, the Corridor shooter was just starting to be born around this time. And then all of a sudden, this was like the, the second wave of games coming out of that. And um, mm. to have this kind of narrative, and like you say, this like cinematic opening with the G-Man kind of talking what, about something you don't quite fully understand yet and being fully in front of the... in front and centre on the screen as the game fades in behind him and it was all very cinematic and very sort of like say it was all about, yeah it was telling you this is all about the story but it's something we'll come back to i think um along the way 
but the fact that it's something that differs it from games like Deus Ex and its other uh, other games like that at the time is that it doesn't ever wrestle mm. the viewpoint away from it doesn't ever break first person viewpoint it's all told um in it may occasionally game. wrestle control away from you when you're incapacitated without by whatever reason but it doesn't ever cut to you know cinematic third person shots of gordon freeman looking That's surprised it. or whatever um you know barney is talking told. to you and exposing you know yes you know, expanding stuff about the about he is basil exposition that's it yeah um yeah inc- incredible introduction um the first time you get to see city 17 which is a very very striking mm. uh visual style the whole like um you know all uh sort of like post-war eastern european yeah sort of the structures uh, just stepped into 1984 basically yes yeah. But then, like, covered in like huge steel structures and the mm. imposing tower in the center of, of the city and the the big, it is very very nineteen eighty four. It's yeah, such a it's cool style, concrete, but also you know beautiful, beautifully styled. Yeah, buildings as well. Yeah, like Eastern yes, European, also very brutalist. Eastern yeah. European um, oppressiveness. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 A lot of brutalist architecture mm. and, um, yeah. But it sets up very good combine as well as the the oppressors, right? So well because like you are being funneled in by these guards who are faceless with gas mask, gas mask esque faces and stuff. You know, it's Mm. all very, you know, it's it's picking things from history to really, you know, to give you cue points. Oh yeah, yeah. It's clearly like drawing. uh, There's a lot of like Nazi symbology and stuff like that in their uniforms and whatnot. It's it's clear where it's drawing from. Um, and of course, that fucking guy with the can on the truck. The can. This is it. Oh yeah. Pick did you ever up. pick it up and throw it at him? Yep. You had to for an achievement, <laughs> yeah, yeah. so I did it. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, chapter two, uh, Red Letter Day. Uh, Alex, the daughter of Eli Vance, a former Black Mesa employee, now leading the resistance against the Combine, takes Gordon to Doctor Kleiner's lab. There, he is given a HAV suit. HEV suit and instructed to be teleported to Black Mesa East with Alex, where he will be able to work uh, alongside other scientists. After teleporting, Alex Gordon is next, but an interruption from Kleiner's pet head crab Lamar causes a malfunction in the teleporter, sending Gordon to Dr. Breen's office, who recognizes him as a threat and puts combined forces on full alert. Following the failed teleport sequence, Gordon's only option is to go on foot through the old canals with civil protection officers in hot pursuit. Before starting his journey, Gordon is given his iconic crowbar by Barney. Um, HEV suit is is it the same suit was that was in Half Life One? I feel like it is, right? HEV is, yeah. It's the same suit. Um, still iconic sounds. Mm. Uh, the built-in Geiger counter whenever you're going in anything radio radioactive and whatnot, and the the other like messages you get that weird voice. One thing I've never understood, right? Um. It's a science. It's a suit designed for scientists to wear, and it has all this stuff in there to aid scientists. So why does it tell you when your ammunition is depleted? <laughs> it does. Just and the woman's voice says ammunition depleted. Or for <laughs> Maybe science. it's all. It's just it, yeah. It's a little bit weird. Um, yeah, I love the HEV suit. Yeah. 
Uh, so chapter three entitled Root Canal. Uh, with the crowbar, uh, iconic crowbar, uh, Gordon is able to disarm two civil protection officers who had cornered a couple of citizens, obtaining in this way his first firearm, the USP match. Uh, being armed allows Gordon to defeat all the civil protection units dispatched to the area uh, before reaching Station 12, one of the many stations set up by the Underground Railroad, a network helping refugees escape City 17. Uh, most of these stations and outposts are already under attack by the time Gordon arrives, uh, generally filled with man-hacks or being bombarded with headcrab shells. Uh, along the way, Gordon obtains his second firearm, the MP7. Uh, eventually, Gordon reaches Station 6, now under attack by headcrabs. Uh, where he receives the airboat, a makeshift vessel with an aircraft-type propeller to help him traverse the toxic systems canals and get to Black Mesa east quick and safely. Um, I don't know whether this is a controversial thing to say or not. I really don't like the vehicle sections in this game. No, no they are appalling. For the time, at the time, they were really incredible, but they just went on too long. Um, and they don't control well. And they don't control well. But the problem was with this game is that within two chapters, you'd already had like a physics demonstration you had lit you had a literal physics um playground because you had to go through a playground at, at some point and play with the swings and you know and you know spin the roundabout and all that yeah. kind of stuff um and the seesaw and then you'd gone from that to then oh the, these cars handle and they like oh the this boat handles and that handles with physics so they were really leaning on the fact that this was like a you know this was something you'd never seen before oh um, they're really proud of that physics engine oh god yeah um and it works yeah. in the moment-to-moment, like, you know, on foot gameplay. All of those physics puzzles and stuff are are really, really cool um, to this day mm. and still, like, massively influential on certain other games that we'll probably talk about later on. But, um, yeah, the vehicle section's fucking blow. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm sorry. Which we'll come to in a bit. Not a fan. Yeah. Chapter 4, Water Hazard. Aboard the airboat, Gordon fights off numerous civil protection units and a hunter-chopper in the river. Uh, canals and industrial areas around the outside of City 17. Along the way, the boat is upgraded with a pulse gun by a Vortigaunt. After shooting down the hunter chopper in a flight, Gordon Freeman finally reaches his destination, an abandoned hydroelectric power plant on the other side of the dam where the Black Mesa East is located. Um, Now, having just ragged on the vehicle sections, I I remember quite enjoying the fight against the helicopter. Um, dashing around like dodging the the mines that it drops down, um, and then, well, the first half kind of sucks because you've got no way of fighting back. But then once you get the gun, um, it's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, pretty good. Yeah, feels amazing. Yeah, chapter five, Black Mesa East. Arriving to the Black Mesa East. Uh, oh, sorry. Arriving at Black Mesa East late Arraving. in the evening. Arriving at Black Mesa East late in the evening, uh, Gordon meets Dr. Judith Mossman for the first time and is reunited with resistance leader and former Black Mesa scientist Eli Vance and Alex. Uh, Gordon is also introduced to the zero-point energy field manipulator known as the Gravity Gun, a physics manipulator that quickly becomes indispensable. And after that, Gordon meets Dog, Alex's robotic pet. Uh, Like a red-letter day, this chapter is uh, full of insight and dialogue about the current state of the world, the people in it, and the aftermath of the Black Mesa incident. While Gordon is playing with Dog in the scrapyard, Alex spots combine scanners sweeping the area shortly before an all-out aerial raid on Black Mesa East. While attempting to rejoin the others, Gordon and Dog are separated from Alex by a collapsed ceiling, and Gordon is forced to escape down a tunnel to Ravenholm, a place that Alex didn't want to talk about earlier, showing obvious discomfort at the thought. 
Um, this is the bit where you get really tied into the characters. Yeah, and it's it's um, we get a few areas like this where it's like a lot of uh, characters talking to each other and delivering exposition and just filling out the world and the characters quite nicely. Mm. Um, but again, what I like about this, and it's what was quite um, uh, novel for the time, still is to a certain extent. Yeah. Uh, although a lot of developers have thankfully. <laughs> thankfully learnt the good lessons from this game it's the fact that it doesn't like wrestle control away from you it doesn't make you sit and watch it as a cutscene. you're not mm. passively sitting there and so you can wander around you can interact with things you can have a look at, at stuff and there's a lot of stuff in in this area uh, and when in the earlier chapter where characters are talking to each other and you can you can there's a lot of really good environmental storytelling mm. and there's like newspaper clippings on the walls and whatnot talking about the was it like the seven hour war or whatever when the combine first showed up and um pretty much wiped like uh, the entire planet ended up surrendering within seven hours or whatever um there's a lot of really good storytelling in those areas yeah. um a lot of little secrets that you can find if you wander around or you can just stand there and watch the characters talk to each other you know it's completely up to you i like that they give you the choice yeah like i said that was very that was very novel at that like time said, at that time it, this would have just been one big long cut scene that would have yeah, cut backwards and forwards cinematically, and actually, like you say, if there's an immersion yeah. there that most games of this ilk don't have, I think it also kind of helps that because Gordon is a silent protagonist, mm. you're not he he's not he's not needed to input into the conversations. The conversations happen around him, yeah, uh, yeah. and you can just. Do whatever you want. Does my uh, you know? In the meantime, they they'll just turn to you and ask you a question and nothing, <laughs> and they just crack on talking again. Yeah, Gordon, got to go and do this. Nothing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, it is very funny when you think about it that he just doesn't doesn't ever say anything. Yeah, it's brilliant. Um, chapter six, which I'm guessing is probably Nick's favourite chapter because he loves this horror. So so far. Uh, Right, this whole oh, game has felt very sort of, uh, like you say, Eastern European, semi-cyberpunk, kind of futuristic, um, you know, shooting down helicopters, very gung-ho. And then we get to Ravenholm, and the whole game just does a complete 90-degree turn, which I yeah. absolutely adore. Yeah. Um, chapter 6, we don't go to Ravenholm. Uh, Gordon journeys through the tunnel to the ghost town of Ravenholm, originally a hidden village that lived free from the rule of the Combine, it was discovered by the Combine attacked by hundreds of headcrab shells, uh, which are like just big artillery shells that hit the ground and open and spell out headcrabs that turn everything into zombies. Mm. Um, uh, yeah, there's thus transforming the entire population to deadly zombies. This chapter also introduces two new headcrab variants, the poison headcrab and the fast headcrab, and their zombie counterparts. Uh, Freeman kills zombies and avoids bizarre death traps, meeting the man who set them, uh, Father Grigori, who gives Gordon a shotgun. Uh, Freeman and Grigori make their way to an old mine which has a path that leads back to City 17, but Grigori stays behind to fight zombies, and he continues to do so until the crypt behind him bursts open, leaving more zombies to come out from it. He continues to shoot zombies for a while until he runs through a blazing fire into the crypt. Gordon navigates the mines ahead and then walks down a railroad, avoiding combine snipers to reach Shorepoint Base. Um, yeah, this Ravenholm is a 
It's creepy. It's a fucking rough section for someone who's quite easily scared. Uh, there's a lot of jump scares. The whole atmosphere is incredibly creepy. The game suddenly turns into a survival horror game. Um, You've got to like, pick, use the gravity gun to pick up like um, saw blades. Saw blades and shit. Yeah, yeah but that's quite fun. Yeah. Chopping zombies in half with the saw blades <laughs> and, and whatnot. Um, but there's a lot of them. And the fast ones, the ones that can climb up walls. Skittery and, and, skitter and, and jumpy. Yeah, fuck that. that. A good combination. Fuck that. Uh, <laughs> not a fan. Um, Wait till you play it in VR, mate. No, thank you. <laughs> oh, and I will at some point when I. Oh, I've got to go back to that. Um, yeah, uh, easily one of the high points of the game, I mm. think. Um, and yeah, un- unlike all the other areas where it's just kind of like a lot of shooting, um, this is a little bit more. Uh, yeah, creepy and survival horror. Yeah. And Father Gregory is um, such an last an interesting character. Yeah, yeah, in a way, yeah. Um, yeah, Father Gregory is an interesting character. Uh, his <laughs> laugh like echoing out across the town. Um, he always reminds well, um, the dude in Destiny Two always reminds me of Father Gregory. I don't know if it's, a, it's oh, an intentional um, reference. The guy from Trostland. Safe. Oh, right, right. I see what you mean. Sniper yeah, at yeah. the top of the church guy. Yes. Yeah. I don't know yeah. if it's an intentional reference, but it, it always That's reminds me very much of That's the thing with this game. There's him. just so many things that people have cribbed from it now. It, yeah. It, it's almost For a sure. parody. Yeah. 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 A lot of games that are nowhere near as half as good as Half-Life 2 have referenced Half-Life 2. That's it's like, it. you shouldn't do that. <laughs> like referencing a better film in your bad film yeah. um yeah uh, that's definitely a high point. massive high point but as long as you yeah. got the stomach for when it. we say like got the stomach for it what what do you mean well, it wasn't that bad. it's quite general. scary it's really it? creepy and scary mate i is uh, me a large portion of that level was just me going go forward go forward go forward go forward kill everything move 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 right it's over Okay. It's spoopy, especially when the fast head grab zombies turn up. I get like, it being like, you know, a bit horror-y, but I never found it like terrifying or that scary. It's just but, fucked up, mate. It's grim. <laughs> it's real grim. All right. But the thing I'll is, go like, the, like, I'll go with the uh, majority. That's it. But we go from that like real high point, you know, really affecting, and then we get to Highway 17, which really drags. Yeah, Chapter 7, Highway 17. Uh, Freeman is informed that Eli Vance has been taken to Nova Prospect and sets out on a journey along Highway 17 located on the coast to rescue him. Gordon encounters Combine soldiers uh, for the first time, as well as a new type of Zen alien, uh, the outlines that made enormous colonies in the beach areas. Uh, Colonel Odessa Cubbage is also met in this level, giving Gordon the RPG. As Gordon navigates through the Highway uh, 17, he sees abandoned posts taken over by Combine. Before arriving to the bridge point, Gordon deactivates force fields in order to progress across the dra- the, the train bridge. Um, yeah, another vehicle section um, well, it's not somehow only, yeah. feels worse than the boat. So you've got this kind of beach buggy that's been cobbled together, which you're yeah. tr- basically, like you say, going down a massive highway. But then you mm-hmm. you always have to stop off and then drag this poxy vehicle. You know you have to get it on a crane and wheel it over to somewhere else. And 
it just it just feels like you're babysitting this car all the way through this level and it you know it, it just gets i suppose you could probably do it on foot it would take a it while take forever but, but you yeah. could do it on foot, I guess. But, but you're um, just babysitting this poorly handling beach buggy to yes. our, you know, modern modern standards. But um, again, at yeah. the time, this must have felt amazing, you know. And then it's and not, um, it's not great. No, and but, uh, then you, but then you finish that section. We think, oh, phew. Well, that's been a long time, but you know, and I've babysitted this buggy. Now I've got to this area where I've got to stop. Now I've got to walk across the girders of a bridge. Yeah, and it's like, oh no, oh. the bridge is fucking cool. The whole that that was the only bit of the level yeah. that was was good was like going across the bridge. Because um, there is no cause the that. thing. The thing with that is is that it like with most games that would have been very signposted that you have to go in here and go you know go in this door, and then mm. you're going to have a very prescribed level of way of getting through that bridge, and then you get to the other side, get what you need, and come yeah. back. But in this, it's not. It's just like there's this door in the corner that's kind of inconspicuous and could just be level geometry for all anyone knows. And then mm. you are literally having to just use what's on the bridge to get across it. And it just, like yeah. I say, it does feel crazy when you're just walking along a thin slat, you know, miles above this I don't know, river or whatever it is. And it, it does. And then you've got that wind whistle and everything. And it's just, yeah, it's just proper freaky i like that section yeah. but I, I it might not be for everyone I, I can see that i think it's the fact that you've got to go um, across and then come back again i think the coming back yeah. again is the bit that, that you know could stick in people's teeth i can imagine hmm. but, um chapter eight i've got to say is not not one of the highest points of the game either uh, chapter eight sand traps yeah. uh, continuing to nova prospect gordon exits a zombie infested tunnel fends off a combine raid on a lighthouse point and passes through the last part of the coast without the scout car, namely the antline-infested beach. Uh, encounters the first antline guard of the game and is then trained in the usage of antline guards' pheropods by a Vortigaunt uh, working with the Resistance. He then continues to the final part of the coast where he battles many Nova Prospect guards on his way into the prison. Along the way, Gordon must disable restrictors so that the antlines can follow him. In this chapter, antlines become Gordon's ally since he has the bugbait pheropod. Uh, once you get the pheropod and everything, that is kind of cool. But the, the section where you're you're basically playing the floor is lava. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Nick's just pulled a face. Right. No, it's it's so when, not the greatest section. <laughs> when we story. started discussing this game, that we were going to do it for thingy for whatever this is. Hall of Fame. Hall of Fame. Fame. Thank you. When we started discussing that we were going to do Half Life Two for Hall of Fame. My immediate reaction was, what a great game, apart from that section with the sand, because fuck that section. And <laughs> Mark was like, what What are you talking about? And I said, well, you've got to go I've across the sand dunes. And well, well, you, you'd half forgotten. You have to cross the sand dunes and you can't touch the sand. So you had to like spend ages with the gravity gun, like grabbing bits of corrugated iron and, and like planks of wood and... and oil containers and jumping on top of them and then moving them around and stuff and both you and Chaz were like no you don't have to do that and I was like yes you do I was I was adamant you had to do it yeah. Yeah, and yeah, then yeah. Anyway. I looked back and I realised why I was so adamant that I couldn't touch the sand it's because it was a fucking achievement for it and I'd bloody tried to get the achievement hadn't I <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly 
So yeah, in the we, real, I mean, it's advisable to not touch the sand. Yeah, in the real game, the, the, the sand ants come out and try and get you, but you can just run away from them. Whereas, yeah. if you don't touch the sand for like three hours of your life, you get like a fifty G achievement, and I really wanted that fifty G achievement because that was my <laughs> life in like twenty two thousand eight. <sighs> Love it. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> However, I, mean, I will it say is called, like, Half-Life, 2, pod. Half-Life yeah. 2, a game that did achievements right. Oh, God, yeah. Yes, it all is, the yeah. achievements, the achievement. they all um, is one of the encouraged you to go out of your way and explore and play the game in different ways that you wouldn't normally yeah. do them, so I commend it for mm-hmm. that. Yeah, like having to take that name from the start of the game all the way through. And like wasn't seeing, that one like, of the episode? Wasn't that episode one or that two? That was uh, episode was one it, or episode two. Yeah. You had to put it I in thought, the spaceship. Yeah, I thought yeah. you had to like wedge it into the car for Highway 17, but I could be wrong. Could be another section. Maybe. Maybe but there was yeah, one in each. Yeah. yeah. But it, yeah, I just remember that. And I just think like seeing pe- the things that people were doing just to get that thing from one end of the game to the other <laughs> was just incredible. Yeah. I think yeah. that was actually because now I've got, I think I remember seeing videos of people like, literally trying to. Yeah, trying to like get the uh, the gnome to sit in the in the buggy when you were driving. Yeah, it was and just um, Half Life Episode Two, apparently. No, oh, okay. Was there a buggy in Episode Two as well? Then must have been. Yeah. Okay. Been. Fair enough. Yeah. Also appears in Half Life <sighs> Alex. Yes, there's one in Half Life Alex. That makes more sense as well because yeah. it's like you, you literally pick it up um, <laughs> with your hands. With your meat hands. Yeah, so um, in, sorry, in Half-Life Episode 2, there's a muscle car that you have that you have to wedge it in. Right, that's, it. that's what I'm remembering. So that's what yeah. you're remembering. Yeah. Um, Chapter 9, Nova Prospect, one of my favourites. Mm. Uh, Gordon gains access to Nova Prospect, a combine base and former prison, uh, breaching its de- defences with the help of an army of antlions. With the goal of finding and rescuing the captured resistance leader Eli Vance, this is also the last chapter where antlions are encountered because Gordon soon leaves antlion territory. Uh, Gordon is introduced to combine turrets here uh, as well, which are uh, which have become re- the turrets from Portal. Yeah, they're yeah. actually proto turrets <laughs> from Portal. One, they're brilliant. They're just, the talking. Yeah. Well, as we know from um, Half Life Episode Two, Aperture Science exists in the Half Life universe. So yep. yeah. So these were literally, um, yeah, literally the proto turrets. I love that. Yeah. Um, yeah, Nova Prospect is uh is is fucking cool. Mm. I like that. I really like the idea of like storming a like storming you know, a prison. Weird. Storming yeah, storming not just a prison, but like a um I don't know, a weird like sci fi. 1984-y sort of yeah. like um adapted prison. With an army of fucking giant insects, like just from throw this ball from Starship Troopers, yeah, and just by throwing someone, yeah, throwing their pheromones at, at, at um, combine soldiers and watching them die. Um, it's really fun. It's really enjoyable. It really is fun. Um, there's another boss fight in this one. Mm. You, you you fight the ant lion king. Yeah, I think. Yeah, that's right. Um, you drop in the showers. Of, yeah, you drop down out of a like kind of security room into that shower yeah. room and then you have yeah basically it's the again last of us the gym boss fight it's not too dissimilar to yeah that. yeah 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 sure um yeah really good uh really good uh section of game that um chapter 9a 
uh, entanglement. Uh, Gordon meets up with Alex Vance in the Nova Prospects train de- uh, depot. Uh, they discover that Dr. Mossman was actually a combine spy working on Breen's side. Together, they search the prison for Eli Vance and Judith Mossman. Uh, all the while fighting off security forces, they split up several times, but finally they reunite to track down Mossman. She teleports herself and Eli out of the facility, uh, getting to the Citadel, forcing Alex and Gordon to take the risk in using the same teleporter to get back to Kleiner's lab. I don't really remember too much about this, this mini chapter. Yeah. So okay, tell me about it. It's like, just as you said, you're fighting your way through. You you get to a room. Um, Alex's dad is brought over in, in a in a kind of pod. And um, you get to have a quick two-minute chat with him before they're like, oh, we've got to send you away again. And they sort of send him away to wherever wherever, wherever he gets released. Right. In the meantime, you run around to that point, which happens to be very close to where the teleporter is. So then you you mm-hmm. end up with a situation where you eavesdrop on the Doctor. The Doctor is talking to, I'm guessing, um, whoever the main boss is. You sort of burst in, really, you know, basically go you you lying scumbag and then she goes no 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 and then you sort of end up in the trans transport room and then like your dad turns up and or alex's dad turns up and then she literally just drags him in and they're away and they're like oh my god never saw that happening and then yeah you literally i took it as that you jumped in the teleporter to go after them but rather than going after them you end up at kleiner's lab and i think you get like diverted off right so I think, like you say, it's it's yeah, it's a bit of a weird one that one. It doesn't really, I didn't follow it too well, but um, yeah, in in the way it was, it was all a bit rushed. And I think that's the whole point of it is like, quick, just jump in there and see what happens. Mm. But, uh, yeah, it's good. It's good okay. again. You you defend that area for a while as well around the teleporter while you're waiting for it to come back online. You have to set um, turrets out, and then you're stormed by combine. So okay. it's a bit of a, you know, uh, what do they call it, horde mode situation. It's weird that this, that's a, it's the only, like, sub-chapter in the game. Mm. Uh, every other chapter is its own thing, but this is, like, chapter 9A, and they don't ever, they don't do that in your, like, I yeah. don't know. It's, they don't say what so, 9, 9B yeah, is. Strange one. Yeah. Um, Chapter 10, Anti-Citizen 1. Uh, upon arriving in Kleiner's lab after teleporting with the depot, Gordon Freeman and Alex Vance discover that they've been stuck in a teleport loop for approximately a week. They find that the teleport caused the destruction of Nova Prospect, and the blow they struck there was taken as a sign to begin the uprising. The two factions have been locked in combat for a week, and all of Citizen 17 is a war zone. Uh, Freeman goes on to aid the battle, while Alex remains in Kleiner's lab to help him escape the city. Uh, Gordon is able to form small squads of citizens to help fight their way through the city towards Barney's location. Near the end of the chapter, Alex finds that the bridge to Barney's location is destroyed. She climbs up a building to see how to look for another way out to help Gordon, but is captured by Combine soldiers and taken to the Citadel. Uh, I remember this whole sequence being cool as fuck. Because um, it's like the sort of, you know, we keep talking about 1984, but it's like the thing that you would like... Um, the idealistic version of of that of that story is like the people rise up against their oppressors. Yeah, um, and this is you get to see that, um, and it's pretty fucking cool to be fighting your way through the middle of an armed revolution. Yeah, um, superb. Yeah, good good chapter. Mm. Um, we're speeding on towards the end, so let's get there. Chapter eleven: Follow Freeman. 
Uh, Gordon teams up with Barney and together they lead a battle to uh, at the Overwatch Nexus, finally fighting at the foot of the Citadel. Uh, this section involves heavy urban combat aided by resistance members against Striders, gunships, and elite Combine soldiers. We hadn't talked about the Striders yet. Mm. Um, and how fucking worlds. cool they are. Yeah. Yeah. So, such a cool design. Um, and there's a lot of things like there's, there's the the flying things as well um, things. Yeah, yeah the the one the ships that you oh, that yeah. you encounter across like the highway section um and they are aliens that have had mechanical bits grafted onto them because mm-hmm. the combine is is you know like any it, it, it's it's i said the combine <laughs> yeah they are the combine yeah, yeah. um uh, they're they're like the covenant in halo where it's like a whole bunch of different types of aliens. Um, and so there's like one type of the of the overlords and then um, the other aliens, like for a while, the Vortigons were part of the Combine army and whatnot, um, but they get freed at the end of Half-Life 1, which is why they're helping out in Half-Life 2. Um, but a lot of these, they're like, they're like aliens that have had mechanical bits forcibly grafted onto them, and that's one of them is uh, the Striders. Um, and yeah, it's such a fucking cool design. Um, we'll a, come back to those later on yeah. because there's another game that, that that borrows very heavily from Half Life in a lot of its visual design, and um, uh, they borrow from the Striders as well. So we'll talk about that in a bit. Um, yeah, uh, this is a cool section. Um, chapter twelve: Our benefactors. Uh, Gordon infiltrates the Combine Citadel. Upon entering a security gate, he is disarmed of all of his weapons, with the exception of the gravity gun, which is mysteriously superpowered by the Combine technology. It is now capable of lifting heavier items from a greater distance, including Combine soldiers and elites, vaporizing their weapons. Equipped with this, Gordon proceeds upwards, fighting through the Citadel, making his way to the office of Dr. Wallace Breen. This whole section is just a... It's just a power fantasy it's mm. just a power trip it's so fucking cool when you get the the upgraded version of the gravity gun and you can literally just pick up soldiers and fling them against walls yeah and throw them into chasms um absolutely love it so good um and then we come to the finale of the game chapter 13 dark energy gordon reaches the administrator's office for the climactic confrontation with wallace breen and the leaders of the resistance Mossman eventually regrets that she helped Breen and betrays him by releasing Freeman, uh, Alex, and Eli from the pods. Uh, Breen attempts to kill them by using the supercharged gravity gun and escapes with it. Alex and Gordon find him arguing with an advisor and escapes before they are able to get to him, leaving the gravity gun on the floor. They open the windows and find the dark energy reactor at the very top of the citadel. Alex lets Gordon down to the reactor where Breen starts ascending and opens the combine overworld portal. Gordon destroys the reactor, causing it to fail and begin to go critical. The reactor explodes, apparently killing Breen and nearly taking Alex and Gordon with it. As the reactor detonates, however, the G-Man freezes time and addresses Gordon. He's put back into stasis by the G-Man and the fate of Breen and Alex are unknown. Very climactic. Um, Cliffhanger of an ending. I've got a quick question before we we move on with this. Mm. Uh... So I looked up because I was like, I, I got my timelines mixed up and I couldn't remember when stuff got released. And I was like, well, you know, watching back clips and stuff. And I was like, did did the, was the G Man like an influence on 
Agent Smith in The Matrix or vice versa. Vice versa. And then I looked it up and it's like um, Half-Life came out in like November of 1998 and The yeah. Matrix came out in like spring of 1999. Um they they were like there's no way that there would have been an influence on either one. There is there so, is a um, is there some like common thing that they are drawing from? There is there is a well known um, phenomenon where like there's a sudden rush of things that are all very similar in a very short period of time, and yeah, it's like it's just that. But it's specifically the way he talks, the way that the G man talks, and the way that. The Agent Smith talks in The Matrix. It's quite similar. I always felt it was like part Twin Peaks, part like the smoking man from X Files. And it was mm. this mysterious suited character, right? Like 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 in those films. And it yeah, was just it kind be. of a you know, a, 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 an amalgamation of the two basically. I just, uh, for a moment before I looked at the dates and everything, I, for a second in my head, I was like, oh man, have I just realized that the, the <laughs> Agent Smith was influenced by the G Man or whatever? And I, no, no, he wasn't. Um, so, yeah, so this mysterious guy just basically, like, this whole thing was almost dreamlike. You know, it, it did it happen? Didn't it happen? Is it real? Isn't it real? You know, maybe it was real, but now you've. But, but what is the G Man and why have you been. No. We are so, never ever gonna find out what the fucking deal is with the G Man. No, exactly. um, we're never gonna find out. Um The writers but, don't know. Yes, and that's probably why they haven't made Half Life episode three, because they're like, we don't know how to finish this. Yeah. Um So that was the plot of Half Life Two. Um why is this game in the uh Laps Gamer Radio Hall of Fame. Why is it in there, Nick? Why are we putting this in the Hall of Fame? What's your What's your case for putting this into the Hall of Fame? Well, um, what happened was we put every all the games that we thought should go in in a spreadsheet, <laughs> and then if they got this more is very than three votes, baseballs. if they got more than three <laughs> votes, then we talk about them and put them in. And this got four, so pretty much everyone said yeah get in. okay yeah, sorry but why i know i know that's the boring answer i i technically answered the question there um you did yes so for for me half-life 2 is um it oh, fucking hell it, it revolutionized fps's again uh, mm. half-life uh, was a catalyst for so many great fps's and and the change in what a f- an fps no could shock if you don't have Half-Life what's two. what an fps could and should be um you have like a great difference between sort of um doom wolfenstein and uh quake and then half-life comes out and suddenly what was um a story in a manual somewhere that you didn't really care about actually became you know was put on the screen in front of you and you you were it acted out through you viscerally and Half-Life, it, when Half-Life 2 came out, it's almost like Half-Life was the prototype for Half-Life 2, uh, and it did it again and again and again. It brought physics-based gameplay to FPSs. It just it completely changed the trajectory of what a first-person shooter can, should, and would yeah, be in, tell the, a story in, that in the future. Form, yeah. You know, it, within that style of first-person shooter, how you tell a story, how you make it interesting, how you completely change puzzles you know 
Whereas before it was always get the red key and take it to the red door. You know, this 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 had physics puzzles. You had to stack things on top of things to climb up it to get yeah, to it areas. Was, and It was a lot smarter game. And I don't hmm. mean that in the way of like you needed to be Mensa or solve crosswords or cryptic things. It was, you know, simple puzzles. It wasn't putting but flashing lights above actually, doors. Yeah, it actually, you know, had some thought behind it um, hmm. and stuff like that. And yeah, no, yes. that's that's the main take. It's fucking good, isn't it? Yeah, like running back through <laughs> it, it's like so many of the design design decisions that were taken in this game still hold up, and the reason they hold up is because everyone's cribbing from it. Yeah, and yeah. I mean, you know, Half Life Two cribbed from other things as well. Um, yeah, you I know. mean, this is around. I think I want to. I want to say the original Halo. Come back. Yeah, well, Halo was two thousand. Right? Yeah, so yeah. You know, a lot so, of things like you the, talked. A lot of things he talked about earlier. Yeah, um, like Marathon with... was about, Deus Ex was about, like people were trying to find ways to make this genre more interesting, more, you know, to tell better stories. And I think this is the, the, the watershed moment of, ah, that this is the blueprint. This is the way that we, this is the direction we should be going in. And just really, just just like, really, like you say, the really subtle takes of like the, 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 um, environmental storytelling you know and, and actually putting stuff in in the environment for you to just look at and read and the stuff that just feels natural as well you know and um that that had never really be like i say a lot of it was corridors and go left do you go left or do you go right you know whereas now it's like okay you've got a corridor to go down but you know you then come out into these large areas that are semi-open world and now, what do you do? Where do you go? How do I, you know? I mean, I mean, that wasn't exactly new in 2004. I mean, Deus Ex was doing that in 1998. Mm. But... That's what I mean. But like, it was just, it was just you creating, it's just doing if that any, in a better way. Like, if anything, was, I'd say Half-Life well, 2 is more corridor shooter than Deus Ex was. Um, in, in sections, yeah. yeah. In sections. Half-Life 2 isn't an any open world it's very linear it is it is a corridor but shooter. you have stuff like it's highway just, 17 and yeah it's like very, but very highway 17 corridor. is just a slightly wide corridor it, yeah. yeah no it, it does very it does, linear um, and it, it pushes you in one direction that you have to follow hmm. if you don't follow yeah, that yeah. corridor you go you it go is a off. linear game but i'm i'm really i'm kind of glad for that yeah to be honest yeah yeah i'm i'm um, I, I suppose i'm not i'm not saying that's a bad thing i'm just saying it no. it I I wouldn't say that Half Life Two is is sort of like as open as you definitely think didn't pioneer any kind of o- no. you know open platforms and stuff and stuff like that. Sure, you can play mm-hmm. around a bit in in the the world and stuff, but everything that you play around with has been designed <coughs> to be on your path to play around with. Like you mentioned mm-hmm. earlier, that the playground that you play through in the first chapter, yeah. you have to go through that playground. And mm. they just play tested the shit out of it so that they've made something intriguing enough that ninety percent of the people would interact with the the roundabout. But then it also tutorializes their physics system, like it's, yeah, it's stuff mm. like that. Exactly. It's yeah. it's. But they also. I um, think it, it's one of those things where you feel like it's your choice to do it, but it's mm. probably not. You've mm, shuffled yeah. down a very tight corridor into doing it. Yeah. But but also like you were mentioning with the uh, achievements, there's just enough there to encourage a little yeah. bit of exploration and enough variation as slightly well. off the path and yeah yeah, yeah. um and you know there's a lot of uh, a lot of variation in the in the biomes and the, the levels mm. um like you say going you from that through. first section to ravenholm and then to 
Highway 17, it's different again with that kind of beach level. You are, you do feel like you're going, like you say, through completely different biomes, but they never feel um, disconnected. For sure, yeah. Um, one of the reasons I think we should um, uh, I'm going to move, I'm just moving something slightly up in the order. Okay. Uh, one of the reasons why I think it deserves to be in the uh, Hall of Fame is um the influences that it had on the wider mm. gaming world and like uh, on feature games that came out and it's 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 a huge influence on quite a lot of games um we talked to we, we've already mentioned or Jazzy already mentioned BioShock mm. uh, and the way that it does storytelling in that and it's like cinematic introductions um is uh very Half-Life 2 um uh, I put in here that I think games like Dead Space, specifically Dead Space, because mm. not only does it do like a big atmospheric intro and there's a lot of environmental storytelling and stuff like that, and a silent protagonist, although apparently they've given him a voice in the remake, uh, but it also has like, you know, a gravity gun and stuff <laughs> like that. Um, Breath of the Wild, um, hugely influenced by, I think, by the, the physics the use of physics to solve puzzles and things like that. Um, because I think that until Breath of the Wild came out, Half-Life 2 had the most impressive physics engine um, in a in a video game, which, yeah. I mean, it held onto that title for quite a long time, which is more, you know, more than a decade of no game really having a, a physics engine as comparable, I don't think. No. Or game at least a physics uh, engine that you can play with. Yeah, a, like, physics. Uh, a non-physics based game i would say yeah 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 leaving aside like i don't know fucking red faction gorilla and stuff like that but like you know where where you're where you're using physics to solve puzzles and stuff like that um, yeah i, I was thinking uh, to like, directly you know, influence gameplay yeah that like there are some games that are literally just physics sandboxes and shit mm. like herbal sure. space program for example yeah yeah i guess uh, yeah, yeah driving sims yeah, they have good physics. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, right. um, um, one thing I will say is that it's a shame Breath of the Wild didn't, um, you know, implement one of the best features about Half Life, which is you know, Half Life's weapons never break. You get okay. a gun, um, and you've got that fucking gun. You can never miss an opportunity to rag on that game, do you? <laughs> uh, <laughs> But again, no, I was, was going to say, like, you off so much. <laughs> the influences of, of Half Life Two are so wide reaching that it would take us all night to, yeah, to list yeah, all mean, of the like games that have been influenced by it. Lighting, I think, it's one of the first games to use HDRI lighting. Yeah, yeah, you know. Um, it's, yeah, but it's the, the the big one I wanted to mention is uh, I don't think that Arcane Studios would. I don't think their games are anywhere near as memorable as they are without. Half-Life 2 existing. Just as they're um, just from an art direction point of view, let alone anything else. For, yeah, and the and the their their storytelling as well. Um Well, I mean they were meant to make Half-Life Episode 3, weren't they? Oh, were they? They were, yeah. Um very good no clip. And they would have been perfect for it. Yep. Absolutely perfect. Was that on no clip? Yeah, no clip had that, um yeah. they found they found a build of of what they were prototyping for it. Yeah, um, wow. so they they were quite far in. So I highly recommend checking that out. 
Uh, well, it's clear that quite a lot of um, influence found its way into uh, Dishonored. Um, mm-hmm. The uh, can't remember the name of the city that you're in. Oh, in oh god, it's completely gone. I know the second one is Karnaka. Yeah, um, wherever it is, uh, the the city that you're in in the first Dishonored and the second one as well. Um, but it's particularly in the Dunwall. Dunwall. Yes, of course. Um, it's got its it's got its own whale punk. Um, yeah. aesthetic, which they, you know, is what they they called it, but it's also it's very, very clearly heavily influenced by City Seventeen with the classical European um style architecture, uh, sort of punctuated by huge brutalist steel structures and security gates uh, mm-hmm. and whatnot, and the. Uh, and and just the vibe of like the way that the city is held under this sort of authoritarian regime mm. um is very very half life uh feeling um is, uh is this game prey um, yeah, go on. oh sorry no, no I was going to say is this game like one of the first games to kind of come through with the episodic content model as well um the, the, the i didn't i mean it didn't have a no, well, it was it's just a sequel, wasn't it? And then a standalone piece of DLC. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Uh, but I don't think that games were released like that ever before that. Like, oh, are you talking about Half Life Two being Half Life Two? Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Being that oh, right, of, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know because don't know. like you've I got mean, like you say you did have expansion you... packs. Yeah. yeah, like yeah, you know, expansion packs on PC particularly were like rife. There were loads of them. Mm. So yeah. I'm not sure you could go down that route. Really? Although, I don't know. It's possibly the first one where they were sort of more story-based and tacked onto the main story rather than just, you know, different modes and stuff. Yeah. Mod mod pack. Not sure. Yeah, interesting. Anyway, sorry. You were talking about Prey. Well, I was going to say like the uh, I pray is one that I haven't really played, and uh, I don't know. I think you guys might have played it to a greater or lesser extent. Mm. Um, but I played the demo, and I remember the introduction to that game being incredibly Half Life. Oh, yeah, that uh, plane, the, the sequences, helicopter. Yeah, the whole helicopter. Yeah, so cool. Um, and I'd say that there's even there, there's Half Life Two influences in uh, Death Loop as well. Um, I can see that. For sure. Uh, oh yeah, 100%. it's yeah, it, it's obviously had like a a massive. And like you can understand why they were originally going to be making Half Life Episode Three and somewhere in the Berenstein universe um, that exists, along with Guillermo del Toro's Hobbit movies. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I can't think of a studio, a single studio that's been influenced by or, or wears its influences on its sleeve. Mm. As clearly as Arcane do with um, Half Life Two. Yeah. No. Even for that kind of slightly sagging middle, this is one of those games yeah. that I would encourage everyone to at least try once. You know. In yeah, I mean, if you haven't played it, then because you probably should, because yeah. it's like a piece of gaming history. It's, it's like those. Yeah. I'm gonna be. I'm. I'd be intrigued here. Hmm. I think that 
anyone who's not played Half-Life or Half-Life 2 now mm. and has played any game influenced by Half-Life 2 will wonder what we're talking about and think it's not great. Interesting. Right, okay. Well, we'll come up we'll come we'll come onto that uh, in a little bit. Um It's 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 like the Seinfeld effect, isn't it? Yeah, I probably well. And we'll, we'll like I said, we'll, we'll come we'll come onto that in a moment. Uh, first of all, but before we get there, um I just wanted to find from you guys like what your most memorable moments from the game were. Pick what if you had to pick one one most memorable moment or sequence from the game. I'll let Chazzy go first. Uh, generally okay, is Ravenholm. It's that whole just that that whole flip of like going into the survival horror and then that that's that thread still carrying on straight through to Nova Prospect as well because you're in that prison and there's a that, that kind mm-hmm. of like weird creepy Alcatrazzy vibe in that as well and just carrying that just that that horror tinge that I was not expecting. But like yeah, that having to rip them all way through zombies with a a gravity gun and some um, saw blades is yeah that, that's that's up there for me it's just one of those moments where you just think right we're, we're in a game now this is batshit and I, I was just not expecting this whatsoever mm. yeah and then obviously like the whole way that ends as well just it's yeah it's like it's a very, very evil dead and mm. yeah it's not something that I would necessarily if I'd have known that was in the game I would never never have played it but like to be surprised with it and for it to be something that I managed to have the stomach to get through on, you know, uh, yeah, it's very mm. memorable for me. This thing is very well designed. How about yourselves? How about you, Nick? Um, first chapter. Um, chapter one. I think yeah. chapter one is a, um, it's a literal masterclass in how to mm. open a game, how to build mm-hmm. an atmosphere, how to tell players exactly where you are without, telling them it's 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 a masterclass in show me don't tell me um yes for gaming uh it sets the tone for so many games down the line for mm-hmm. like i say it's not even just how it does things it's 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 stories and threads that you see small tiny compartments of um without really realizing like the the moment where um, the combine colours you to one side and it turns out to be Barney. You go down a corridor and I distinctly remember mm. there's there's another uh like cell next to you. There's uh, with room, a there? there's an yeah. interview room with the slit open and if you look into the slit you see someone start screaming and then a, a combine sort of comes in and shut shuts it um Yeah. Oh, he's basically yeah. saying he's basically saying something like I looked at it earlier, it was, he's basically saying something along the line of I've got the same coupon as everyone else. Like, yeah. you know, that's my coupon for leaving the city. Like, it's it's not a forgery. And then, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So. It's lovely, lovely bits. Again, environmental storytelling at its best. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and yeah, I think, you know, nothing. Well, there's games that have come close to doing it better, I think. Um, but I don't know if any has come close and mm. uh, has actually, you know, passed it. And yeah, for, for me, that's still the best opening to a game ever. It's one of the great openings of all time. Yeah. Um, I would, I, I'd agree. With, I'd either go with that section or Nova. Well, so you've already mentioned that section. Um, Chaz has already mentioned Nova Prospect. Those are two of my favorite sections. I mm. will go with the, um, when you come out of the um, teleportation loop and it's like a week later 
and yeah. the city's in the middle of an armed uprising and you you're fighting your way through this armed uprising up to the citadel so it just feels like a just like a hot a really triumphant moment in of gameplay where yeah, like call of duty everybody's fighting back um and yeah it's 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 just pure action there's nothing particularly clever about it it just after everything has gone down up till then it just feels very triumphant mm. um and i dig that um so yeah sorry to, to come back to something that nick was alluding to does half-life 2 hold up in 2023 um uh and like you were mentioning we're like a new generation of gamers gamers younger than us who have played games that were heavily influenced by half-life 2 if they went back to it if they went to play it now to see like you know uh, uh, an earlier game that influenced the stuff that they loved would they enjoy it um and it's difficult to it's difficult to say i guess but i think that i think aspects of this hold up really well mm. i think visually it holds up incredibly well mm. for a game that's approaching 20 years old yeah i mean it has had a i think it's had a sort of a patch to bring it up to higher resolutions and stuff yeah but um in the meantime but yeah like you say it, it, but it hasn't had like a full it hasn't had like hasn't the, had the textures full, redone yeah, or anything like that yeah redo yeah um, no, it, it, like you say, it it does still. The art direction is strong enough that it still holds holds up, even if the you know it does look a little bit pixelated around the edges and stuff. But mm-hmm. it's more for me the um, the actual level design itself. Like you you could you could white box those levels and still get that same sort of feeling from where mm-hmm. you're moving around and stuff. You know, you, you still feel oppressed and. You know, in 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 that um, prison, you still feel like it's a rat rat run where you're trying to run around and just like get away from people. You are, you know, in that opening section, it feels big and open. You know, I think you'd still get those same things from just taking all the textures away. I think like the, the way yeah. they place things and and, and, think, and, um, and those and make those puzzles is you know half that like, yeah. still would hold up today. You know, if you just dropped it into a new game. It would, it would oh yeah, for sure, fresh. for sure. Definitely. What were you gonna say, Nick? Sorry, I was gonna say. I guess when when I said like you know people would wonder what we're talking about, I think you know mm-hmm. people would uh, enjoy it, the game, but I don't think they'd they'd look at it and see, oh, this is so influential and it's amazing. No. It's one of the best games ever. Um, yeah, because you don't have that context. Yeah, you don't have con- it, right? you've already played. Yeah. You might have already played Dishonored, and you might have already played Bioshock, and you know. I mean, even those games, yeah. you, know, look, you look back and think, you know, if someone, someone's first big FPS was Deathloop, they'd think, oh, these games are amazing, but they're not as good as Deathloop. Um, yeah, 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 for sure. It's the first thing you experience of that kind of um, level. No, exactly. It's like and... going back to an Atari game now. You go back to an Atari game and go, oh, right, yeah, no, this is, you know, I can see what they're doing here. And, you know, you've got to marvel at the fact that it it came out of, like, you know, some circuit boards. But actually, like it's still just some very dodgy pixels moving around on screen, whereas you know, mm. yeah, you play well, a I'm modern game now and it's incredible, right? So it's it's, it's it's similar. It's just that's just history and the, and the, and the movement of time, right? I think Half Life Two has got it, a lot more in common with modern gaming than mm. Atari games have. Yeah, yeah but I mean. which is like even just more than Half Life One does. Like the difference of four years, mate. If you go back yeah. and play Half Life One now or watch footage of it. 
man, it looks rough. Yep. It looks real mm. fucking old. And yeah. this came out like well, five years later, and it still looks good today. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'll say that the only aspect of it I think that hasn't aged particularly well in comparison to modern games is the, the um, some of the sound, not the sound design, like the atmospheric sound, the voice acting, mm. um, the general environmental sounds are great. Um, the sound of guns, mm. the sounds of explosions in particular, kind of sound a bit thin. It sound has really come on a long way. Um, yeah. Yes. A lot more than graphics have, but which is one yeah. of the things we don't really realize. Um, I think also for me, for me as well, um, I don't particularly think in 2023, I was going to say 2022 then, in 2023, the uh, linearity of it would hold up very well. I think players would want no, probably not. Um, more open world. A bit like Deathloop, it's kind of still linear-ish, but you can still choose what mm-hmm. to do and there's still big open spaces. Yeah, you've still got a whole island to explore. Yeah. Um, I think the um, vehicle sections wouldn't hold up. No, nope. that's completely. And like, FPSs say, have I... completely ditched. Like they were, they were all over vehicle sections. Like Halo had a, had a ton. <sighs> Somebody tell Randy Pitchford that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, um, and now they're just nowhere to be seen because no one enjoys them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the only good vehicle sections in games are modern warfare ones in the AC. And yeah, a, and you're not, really not directly steering the vehicle. That's only yeah. technically a vehicle section. <laughs> well, speaking of Call of Duty, um, that's one of the areas I think where the game probably, I mean, I can't say this for sure uh, without having to go back and get hands-on with it myself again. Um, I have a feeling that the actual shooting itself feels probably a little bit sloppy when compared to some of the best examples that we've had mm. over the last you know, 10, 15 years or whatever. Your Call of Duties, Doom 2016, Destiny, games like that, where the yeah. shooting is so unbelievably tight. Mm. I don't remember being blown away by that aspect. No, it's not bad. It's not like fucking... It's, it doesn't feel really sloppy like like Borderlands does. Um, but I don't remember it feeling incredibly tight. Mm. Uh, but I don't know. Chaz, you've played it uh, Yeah, I mean, like, like I say... It, it, it feels like shooters of that age, which were very um, Twitch-based at the time. No ADS. Yeah, no aim down uh, sights, none of that. It was just... Yeah. You've got to remember this is coming out after GoldenEye. Um, like just well, after, after Halo after as well. Halo as well. Right, but before so, COD really blew up. Yeah, so COD was, like, COD was the, the turning point for... COD 1 came con- out in the control. same year, didn't it? Yeah, I think it was... Yeah, um, yeah COD 4 was where it really... Like it sudden everything changed for like shooter controls. I think it was this was the point at which uh, you got to remember this was like again. Hey, this was up against Halo. There was a, I know I've got like the Mac version of Halo, so it was like sort of competing with that, competing with um, like Deus Ex. It was just very direct, very twitchy. That's what kind of what you want. Doom Three as well was around this time mm. as well. So it was it was it, it was a different different um sort of landscape for that kind of mm. like set of controls and i think that yeah now so I, we've, we've become more refined like you say to that more call of duty for 
yeah. Uh, modern, modern warfare sort of set of well, I, which I think is the right way, you know, where it should have fallen. I went back and played Halo 1 not long ago because mm. I was trying out the Master Chief collection and that doesn't feel great either. No. So it's probably just shooters of that the era. The era. Just, yeah. Uh, that age haven't aged particularly well in terms of that. Um, one thing we should mention though, in terms of stuff that has aged well though, fuck me, the Source Engine. Mm. Um, I mean, games as recently as Titanfall 2 were still being built on the Source Engine, which yeah, is crazy, insane. Man. Like how how well that engine has, has lasted uh, in comparison to some other engines that have long outlived their um, usefulness like the fucking whatever the one that Bethesda used for all of their open world RPG games that should have died a death a long time ago. I think that Um, shows the difference though because uh, Valve are Valve were like software to start with. They supported it incredibly well as well. That's what I mean. I mean they they started out as software developers not game developers. Game developing came afterwards for them what this is why steam and in their services are so good is because they deeply care about all of that so mm. it doesn't it yeah. doesn't really surprise me that source is still you know they're keeping it up to date and they're adding bits and they're keeping it maintained well whereas bethesda haven't done that um yeah. you know mm. did you guys ever um mess around at all with uh <laughs> half-life 2 deathmatch no i you used did. to back in the day but not anymore i didn't I never really bothered with it. I just played Counter Strike. It was really big. uh, Um, We used to play at college. Yeah, on all all the computers had them installed for the game dev course because obviously the again the Source Engine yeah they made games on it so Mm. they had Half Life Deathmatch on it because like um I mean people still play TF2 and CS:GO still huge so games based on that Source Engine are still incredibly popular. People still fuck around and make stuff in Gary's mod. I imagine they do, right? Probably. Yeah. Gary's mod's still probably quite fun to fuck around with. Um. So yeah, I mean, I think. I mean, aspects the, of it have held up incredibly well for a Dota. game that's nearly twenty years old. Dota's nearly on the twenty source years engine. old. I was gonna say Stanley Sorry, Parable. Sorry, was that Stanley Parable and Dota two? Dota's on the Source Engine, and then Dota two then got yeah. upgraded to Source two. But yeah, Half Life yeah, Alex, I would imagine, is on the Source Engine. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, uh, Source yeah, Two, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, yeah. The sequel to it, Left for Dead. Yeah, pretty Left much. Hey, yeah. Any Valve, yeah, any Valve game dead. is is on the Source Engine. Yeah, forgot about Left yeah, for Dead. I, yeah. I didn't realize um, Stanley Parable was on there. Yeah, on that. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. That I mean, that looks like a Half Life. You mod. can kind <laughs> of. <laughs> yeah. It did start out as one. That's why it's on it. Yeah. You can kind yeah. of tell Source games. They've got something about them. I'm not sure what it is, but yeah, you can tell. The, the way the movement works and the physics work. It yeah, has and a the certain lighting. weight. I don't know. I can't exactly explain what it is, but everything has a certain weight to it. It, is. it moves it's in like a certain the, way. Yeah. The physics of, of it, of, The feeling of movement, the way that the physics engine behaves, mm. the way that lighting behaves, it's it's a very recognizable... It's, I don't know. It's, it's, it's got more of a unique, recognizable identity than like... Okay. Unreal Engine does. Top, top three most recognisable like engines. Go. Uh, Source, Source Unity. Engine. Yeah. Um, uh, RPG Ape Toolkit. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say Unreal Three or something. Fox Engine. Yeah, Fox Engine. Know. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. Frostbite. The, uh, what's Frostbite? Probably. Yeah. What's the um, uh, the Resi Engine? The oh um. 
shit. What's it called? The one they've used for all the recent remakes and, and Monster Hunter. It might just it might be called Resi Engine. It's, it's, it's the, the RE engine. engine. RE engine. RE engine. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Nice. Yes. Um, there you yeah. go. You, well, that was a challenge, Chazzy, and I think you go. knocked that you one out. with flying colours. Well done. Hell yeah. <laughs> um, what saddles we are. I guess the last thing we should probably talk about then is is Half Life Two good for lapsed gamers in twenty twenty three. Um, I mean, got time? Then yeah, it's it's thirteen hours long. Yeah, I mean, I think that is that is perfectly manageable. It's one of Uh, those games where you don't have to have the best reflexes in the world. No, you don't have to be, you know, worried about difficulty levels. No, no, it doesn't. Right, okay, but it's not particularly hard. I don't remember getting really stuck on it, and I'm I'm garbage at video games. Uh, I don't remember ever getting like really like frustrated by a particular moment in the game. No, um, no, I think it, it it's, benefits it's, from that from a lapsed gaming point of view of just being because yeah. it's so old. It it makes things a bit easier for you, just through yeah. What you know, being that old and not not have progressed so far to you know needing a million buttons. I mean, you've no, got um, the top row of keys on a PC and shoot. On your left mouse yeah. button. Uh, yeah, you don't even need the right mouse button, really, apart from like some of the weapons have an alternate fire. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's a fairly, at least compared to Half-Life 1, like quite a limited number of weapons. Mm. Um, and some of them are just, they're just there just for fun and you don't really yeah. use them very often. Like I say, um, I think it's definitely a story that you need to... Uh, need, need to know about if that makes sense from a from a lapse yeah. game point of view, like i feel, feel like it's one of those games yeah. that you need you, you know one of those stories you need to play through if yeah uh, if that era of video gaming is a bit of a blind spot for mm-hmm. you if you never played the orange box when it came to console and you never had a pc at that particular time and you would like to see why it was such an influential game why it has why it changed the gaming landscape completely uh why it stands up there in terms of first person shooters with stuff like halo uh, and um call of duty 4 and games I mean, like that that's another time another, um, like um the, the like episode for another time is just like 2004 like what what a yeah. year for games yes yeah um yeah the particularly good year for pro evolution soccer yeah um <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I would say um, if if you never played Half Life Two or anything on the Orange Box, definitely play Half Life Two, but also play Portal. Oh, one hundred percent. Portal is like oh my god, yes. the most incredible free free game, basically. Well, yeah, I mean, ever. you can buy the Orange Box for like two or three quid now. Well, yeah, yeah, but like when the Orange Box came out, you were basically buying Half Life Two, Episode One and Two, and you were getting yeah. TF Two and Portal for free because they just, they just yep. bundled it along with it. And like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Can, wow. can I just read a list of games that came out in two thousand and four quickly? No, Grand Theft Auto San Andreas, Half Life Two, Halo Two, World of Warcraft, uh, Metro Prime Two, Burnout Take, uh, Burnout Three Takedown, uh, Need for Speed, Speed Underground Two, Hitman Contracts, Unreal Tournament Two Thousand and Four, Far Cry. Metal Gear Solid 3, Fable, Doom 3, oh, God damn it. Uh, Def Jam Fight for New York, Red Dead Revolver, 
Uh, Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic, Silent Hill 4, The Room, uh, Zelda oh, I... The Minish Cap, uh, Drive I need to, I need to go back it's and see if the... Oh, they didn't... Shit, fuck it. I wish Giant Bomb existed that far back. I would mm. love to see... I would love to have seen their like Game of the Year deliberations for that year, because that that's a monster lineup. That's a bonkers lineup. I, I don't think it's nuts. that good. I mean, there's some there's some huge games in there though. There's some very good games, but there's also, to me, some very meh. Oh, games. I mean, I'm just reading through, like you know, just picking out the ones that I thought were, you know, I swear, 2006 is better. But there you go. Maybe. I mean, yeah. Well, there's this. There have some monumental years, but <laughs> anyway, we're not we're not here to to assess that particular year in game. Okay. We're just just Half Life. Two thousand seven. Uh, yeah, just look at two thousand seven. Okay, I'll look, I'll look at that off air. Anyway, um, yeah, I, I think that Half Life mm. Two is is uh, the the chapters are a perfectly manageable length. Uh, not that you need to play through the whole chapter in one sitting anyway. Um, yeah, but I, I can't think they're, remember they're on console, or, aren't they? Like, yeah, um, it's yeah. I mean, it's a twelve hour game, and there are thirteen chapters, so yeah, it makes sense. It'll probably be about an hour a piece, but even if that's uh, too much to do in, in one particular setting because you've got such uh, constraints on your time then if the PC version's got your quick loads, your quick saves and your quick loads and uh, mm. yeah, you can save pretty much anywhere um, and yeah it's it's easy to get into, it's easy to play, it's very familiar, if you've ever played a first person shooter then you will know how to play it uh, it's just one that yeah it absolutely needs to be experienced for anyone who's interested in the history of gaming and important yeah. milestones along the way yeah yeah and, and that's the hall of fame yeah my <laughs> first inductee into the laps game radio hall of fame half-life 2 uh don't know what's going to be the next one we've got a list of of games i haven't looked to see which ones have got the most numbers of votes oh oh there's some big ones here <laughs> yeah some good oh, ones yeah. yeah some real good ones um it does make sense yeah, it's meant for the best games yeah it is yeah for sure i just get uh, the idea of like we've just got this big white room like a gallery with like a plinth and just a crowbar on the plinth yeah. you know half like time. one of those uh random random rooms they find in severance it's just got a crowbar yeah. in the middle of it <laughs> yeah yeah big gold crowbar that's it that's what it's going to be represented as. I'm going to need to get. I'm going to Photoshop that now for the fucking thumbnail, aren't I? Um, <laughs> Just ask uh, ChatGPT anyway. to make one for you. Yeah. Yes. All right. Chat, please. ChatGPT. Um. All right. Yeah. Lovely. I think. I think. Unless anyone's got anything else they wish to to add. Nope. Well, good. Yeah. Very we'll wrap this up. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, that was our first inductee into the LGR Hall of Fame, um, gentlemen. Thanks very much for, for joining me to talk about this Thank game. Um, I'm kind of tempted to go and play it again. <laughs> uh, but I really should just finish Half-Life Alex instead. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's, that's the one I haven't played. Awesome. But, um, yeah. Uh, maybe at some point in the future that might get inducted as a, mm. as the, the first like really serious AAA VR game. Um, might get inducted into the Hall of Fame. We'll see. Yeah. But anyway... Um, Thanks very much for listening. Uh, this has been a very enjoyable episode. Uh, and uh, we shall catch you on the next one. Yeah.
Insane. Um, so yeah, uh, I was going to try and do a G Man impression then, but um, I'll just pipe him in instead because I can't do his voice. Rise <laughs> and shine, Mister Freeman. That's pretty Bye. Cool. Bye. Time, Doctor Freeman. Is it really that time again? It seems as if you only just arrived. You've done a great deal in a small time span. You've done so well, in fact, that I've received some interesting offers for your services. Ordinarily, I wouldn't contemplate them, but these are extraordinary times. Rather than offer you the illusion of free choice, I will take the liberty of choosing for you. If and when your time comes round again. I do apologize for what must seem to you an arbitrary imposition, Dr. Freeman. I trust it will all make sense to you in the course of... Well... I'm really not at liberty to say. In the meantime, this is where I get off. <laughs>